history that he has ordered. It's all about proclaiming his glory and making his glory known even in places where there is no human ear to hear it and no eye to see it. And so as the psalmist opens up his song to the choir master, a psalm of David, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor their words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Look to the skies. I think what he has in mind is the night sky, the endless display of God's glory in the stars. And as mankind has learned to look at the stars more closely and observe them more closely, the song only gets better. I don't know about some of you, I kind of like when scientists put out new images and new things that they have found in space because it speaks of God's glory, even though men don't acknowledge it. Just a few days ago, I was looking at an article and scientists were observing this black hole. Now, some of you might be thinking, okay, what's so great about that? It's black, it's a hole. It's a collapsed star, a point of infinite mass, infinite gravity. More powerful than anything else that mankind has ever seen. And they were looking at this thing. It's so powerful and so strong. It's so massive in such a small space that even light can't escape it. That's why it's called a black hole. Light gets so close to it, it is sucked in, it is pulled in, it cannot reach us. Well, they were observing this thing and they saw something they had never seen for the first time. They saw light originating from the other side of the black hole being pulled around it, and they're able to see it. Incredible power. Incredible beauty. This thing was actually creating a mirror image of everything around it and everything behind it, distorting it. It's beautiful. Our God made that. Our God did that. Staggering power, incredible wisdom at every single detail in the infinite reaches of space speaks to his glory. Mankind's put robots on Mars to send back images and studies of things that are on our closest planet. And it's a world filled with beauty all to its own. Nothing like what we see here on earth. God's created endless stars, planets, nebula, an endless display of things that all sing about what? His glory. That's the beauty of our God. He did that. He made it. And not all of it's for our eyes. We're never going to be able to observe everything that God has made and done. That's his handiwork. That's his piece of art. And that is what he has made. 
And even though it doesn't speak words, there's not a single language, a single people group in this world who cannot look to God's creation and see his glory and his beauty. The fact that there is a creator, a creator who is wise, who is powerful, who is good, who is bountiful and benevolent, Words don't speak it, but it's plain and clear as day throughout all the earth. Some translations, in verse 4, you may have, their voice has gone through all the earth. In the ESV, some put, their line has gone forth through all the earth. That's a line that's not talking about a line that you can draw or measure. It's a line of a verse or text, line of a song. The whole creation sings of God's glory from day to day and night to night. It never ends. Then the psalmist kind of hits a little bit closer to home. Talks about the light of the sun. In them, in the heavens, in the skies, he's set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Kind of describes the kind of person, the kind of personality that when he walks into a room or walks into a party, he lights up the whole room. Kind of person, the party doesn't really begin until he gets there. And as the sun comes up, it, the light of the sun drowns out everything else in the sky. And it runs a set course that God has ordained and God has designed a rhythm that God in his wisdom has given to him to order the seasons, the day, and the night. Nothing escapes the sun's heat. And of course, at night, the sun goes down, the earth is cooled. As we see that, we know that God is good. He is merciful because the sun gives life to the whole earth. Every hint of our weather patterns is because of the sun. And in an agrarian society such as Israel, a society that was based on agriculture, people knew this. People are dependent upon the sun. People are dependent on the sun's heat. The crops can't grow without it. Crops can't grow unless God provides the rain and the sun in his perfect balance. God is bountiful and benevolent. Sun goes from one end of the earth to the other. And its song speaks of the greatness and the goodness of our God. And I was in high school, and I had a person come up to me. He was an atheist. Didn't believe in the existence of God. And he approached me with this argument. And I don't think I would have convinced him with any argument I could come back with. Since God cares so much about his glory and making his glory known, he's arrogant. And I really didn't know what to say to that. It was such a perversion of God's glory and everything I knew about his glory. And he just walked away. You know, the first time God made his glory known and made much of his glory, he brought light into the world. He spoke order into the chaos. He created life. 
in all of its variety. He filled the earth with food. He created us. He created man to be in his image, to be a mirror image of him. He created man. He wanted to share creation, the act of creation, with us. And as he brought Adam into the world and brought all the animals to Adam, gave him a garden to take care of and said, I want you to name these animals. God didn't give him instructions on how to name them. Whatever name Adam gave to the animals, that was the name. It was given. It was his decision. God co-partnered with Adam for the creation of his world. And that responsibility comes down to all of us. God's given us talents and skills and abilities. Even though mankind often doesn't acknowledge him, everything that mankind has ever done to the construction of buildings and highways and skyscrapers, to the observation of space, to the exploration of space, in the end, it all brings glory to God because he's the one who gives us the skill to do that. God created man. He's not arrogant. He came down out of his splendor, set his gloriousness, if that's even a word, set it all aside and counted it as something that's not even to be desired. And he came and lived among us. Walked among us, taught us, revealed the nature of the Father to us. Stooped down to the lowest of the low. Healed, not because it was his purpose on earth to heal people, but because he wanted to. Healed people of all kinds of illnesses. Everywhere he went and spoke wisdom and truth. The whole purpose of him coming was so he would die. He would give his life for us to redeem us. No, God's not arrogant. But he didn't do all that for us. He did it for his glory. When God makes much of his glory, we benefit. All life on earth benefits. So I don't know about you, but I'm glad God is not modest when it comes to his glory. He makes much of it as he rightly should because it is right and it is good and it is just. But we don't come to that conclusion by looking at nature and the creation. We in our sinful nature come to a completely opposite conclusion that the earth is all about us, don't we? that life and all the life that God, and good things God has given us is all about us. As if God were obligated toward us. No, we read in his word something quite different. We read in his word that life isn't about us. The psalmist kind of sums up what God's word is like. The law of the Lord is Perfect, reviving the soul. The law and the rules and the statutes that God gave Israel, they're perfect. They're without error. They're sound and consistent. They point people to their need for salvation. They point people to God. 
restoring them to a right relationship with God. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple, the wisdom imparted by God and His Word, often by the Psalms, often by the Proverbs, often by God's own descriptions of Himself. It's reliable, it's trustworthy. It gives those who are simple or naive the skill to live in such a way that brings honor to God. God wants us to be wise because it glorifies Him. The precepts of the Lord are right. Precepts are the responsibilities that are given by the Lord. They're right. They give purpose and they give joy to those who live them out. The commandment, the whole commandment of God is pure. It gives spiritual sight to those who live in a dark and corrupt world. Live in a world that's devoid of the praise of our God. But all that God has given us, it gives us sight. It gives us the ability to navigate it. It gives us the ability to see God in the world that can't see Him. The command to fear the Lord or to stand in awe of the Lord, it's without defilement, or corruption, it's clean. And the believer is given a sure foundation for all of time. Rules of the Lord are true and they're righteous altogether. Everything that God has spoken in His Word, everything that the psalmist is able to look at in the law, the first five books of the Bible, through the story that, the testimony that God gave, all the good things that God had done for Israel. And from our perspective, the story of Jesus. The truths that the apostles spoke about Jesus, the truths that the apostles spoke about us and our relationship with God, it's true, it's firm, it's dependable. It ensures a just outlook on life. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweet are also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. God's word is valuable, far more valuable than wealth or pleasure. Wealth isn't a bad thing. Okay? I like money just as much as the next person. I like good food just as much as the next person. Like being able to enjoy life. It's not a bad thing. But God's word is far more valuable because wealth and pleasure, they draw out what is already in our hearts, don't they? What you spend your money on, that reveals the things that you care about, doesn't it? The time you spend enjoying life it only reveals what your heart desires. It reveals what's already in your heart. But God's word changes the heart. God's glory revealed in his word is powerful because it changes us. It confronts us and it draws us to him. Glory of God, it's, think about it, it's a powerful thing. Not just as we see it in nature, but as we've seen it in his word. When Moses one time asked God, Lord, 
Show me your glory. Moses wanted to see God in all of his splendor and all of his glory. He stood before God day in, day out. He talked with God, with the Almighty. And Moses wanted more. He wanted to see God in all of his splendor. And God's answer to him, well, Moses, uh, Moses didn't really quite know what he was asking. No man can see me and live. Moses, you and your finite nature, if you saw me in all of my splendor and all of my glory, you wouldn't survive it. That's how powerful and how great it is. But I'm going to show you as much as you can survive. And when God was done, Moses' face, his very image was changed. His face shone like the sun. Moses was changed in a very real, very tangible way. One day, all of us will stand before God, and we will see him in all of his glory. And we'll be changed. Not in just an abstract or spiritual way. We will be completely changed for all time. Reflecting a change that's already taken place in our heart, by the sacrifice of Christ. Changing our very nature into one that brings glory to Him. After we see God in all of His glory and He changes us, there'll be no more sin. We will never again struggle with giving praise to God. We would become exactly what he has created us to be. People who give glory to him, honor to him, and praise to him perfectly. People who were made to rule creation and order it in such a way that it brings glory to God. We will be changed on that day. But until that day, God has given us his word it's valuable. It's precious. It reminds us of God's glory. And it draws us to him. And keeping his word, there is great reward. God's word is powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces and it divides the heart. And it brings all things open and bare before God. God's word is alive. It's powerful and it changes us. You can't read about who God is. Under the illumination of the Holy Spirit in us, pointing out his word to us, you can't read about Jesus. You can't read about the things God did for Israel can't read about who you are before God without being changed by him. The psalmist understands that he's dependent on God. He's dependent on his word. He's hanging on God's every single word. Read Psalm 119 and you see a picture of someone who is dependent for his very life upon the instruction found in God's word. He's blind and he's lost 
in the world without it. And too often we get complacent. It's so easy to slip in a pattern where we don't pick up God's word and we don't read it. It's too easy for us to pick up God's word and we read the words. We don't think about it. We don't earnestly yearn for God to open them up to us. It's so easy. So the psalmist comes to God for a plea. He knows that just reading the simple words is not enough. He needs God himself. Who can discern his errors? Who can discern? Who can, in my own pride, I can't see my own sin. I can't see my own errors. I need him to open them up. Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Show me what's in my heart, God, because I can't see it. I don't have the wisdom to see what is in my heart and what is wrong with me. I need you to open it up to me. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, and I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. The psalmist comes to God. Broken and humble. Because he knows that he can't do it on his own. He knows that he can't live life on his own. He knows that he can't get rid of his sin just by simply reading the word. He needs God to remove it for him. He comes to God broken and in need of a savior. You know, it's funny, often I, I use the term broken, and very often in Christianity, when a person uses the term broken, they're talking about brokenness of spirit, pain, anguish. A person who is empty of himself. That's not what I mean here. We are broken in the fact that we were made to bring glory to God. And we don't. We don't do what he intended us to do. What he made us to do. But through his word and through the revelation of his glory, he fixes us. Through the work that he did on the cross and giving his life for us, taking our sin to the grave And rising in all of his glory, he fixes us and makes us into people who can give glory to God. And so he closes out the psalm. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Let me just bring glory to you. Let me just be acceptable. Let me be like you. Oh, Lord, my rock, my solid foundation, and my redeemer. Let that be our prayer. So an application in what ways are you tempted to be distracted 
from God's glory? What things in life pull you away? Is it maybe the daily grind of life? Is it maybe the things that frustrate us? All of those things that frustrate us and bring us anguish, the things that pull us away from God and His glory, the things that distract us, the things that we love more than God. God created all of those things, and He intends to use them to draw us back to Him. Who around you needs to see God's glory? God gave us his word, and he gave us all things that are necessary for life and godliness. For a reason. Because we live in a sin-cursed world. We live in a world filled with people who don't acknowledge God. We live in a world full of people who follow their own purpose in life, try to make their own glory in life, and they follow that. And everything that comes about as a result is destructive. People push other people away. People destroy relationships. People destroy other people around them, whether physically or emotionally or simply by their influence. We live in a world that's corrupt and it's dark. And God's given us his word. He's given us his son. He's given us his spirit so that we can be a light to the world. Set up on a, set up on a hill where all people can see us. So who around you in your life, in your family, your loved ones, your friends, your coworkers, who around you needs to see God's glory displayed by your life? Do you lift that person up to God? Is the cry of your heart to, for God to help you to live in such a way that this person over here who is lost and who needs you, who desperately needs you, and doesn't even know it, doesn't even understand it. God, fill my life with the gospel. Fill my life with your love and your mercy and your grace. Maybe there's a fellow believer around you who is struggling, who's experienced loss, who's experienced pain, Maybe he just struggles to see his own sin. Maybe he just struggles to see that life is all about God and not about him. Being filled with the word, part of the application of singing to one another in songs, hymns, and spiritual songs, part of the application of that is our life is a song open to the entire world. And if it's sung to God, the world sees God when it sees us.
And so let that be the prayer of our hearts as we live in a world that needs him. That the world would see God's glory through us. Let's pray. Father, as we read your word, we're reminded of how great you are. We're reminded of who we are before you. As we see what has happened to the human race, Father, we're aware that the world is broken. It's not what you created it to be. And Father, it's us. We have messed it up. We broke it. Because, Father, we're broken. And we need you. We are desperate. We are spiritually dead without you. And as a result, Father, without you, we are like a wrecking ball of death and destruction. My Father, you spoke into the chaos. Your word, your light came into this world. Father, you weren't arrogant. As you displayed your glory, Father, you sent your son into the world, and he was humble, and he was gracious. And he gave us what we could never ask for. He gave us his very life, his very blood. So that we could be your children. He brought us into a relationship with you. Father, he came into this world to fix it, to fix what we have broken. And we're desperate for you. We need you to fix what is broken in us. We need your love and your grace and your mercy. And Father, I ask that everything that we say, everything that we do, we have to be just as focused on your glory as you are. Father, change us. Change us through your word. Change us through your spirit people that gives glory and honor and praise to you.